to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast, final episode of the 2022 season. I'm your host, Jimbo Fisher, and joining me today, I I didn't know what to say about this, but just just Randy, take it away. Just take it away, Randy. Yeah, well, I guess we, we have to talk about the game. Um, it is the day after the game. I knew I was going to have to talk about it if we lost. And it's very, I, I'll say, I, I have a lot of disorganized thoughts, and I, and I feel a lot of different ways about what happened. But I think the, uh, the, the prevailing emotion is more disappointment than anything. It was, we were so close, and by all accounts, we should have won that game. It would have been so amazing to see to see Saban break some records, because that's what we really want is the three P. It was this individual championship that doesn't really hurt as bad as it probably should. I mean, I get it. We're spoiled, you know. I know that's gonna. I know the people don't want to hear that from me, right? It's true. But it's just a little disappointing how we could have won in a rebuilding year. We could have set up the three P because everybody's coming back. We could have knocked Georgia down a peg. You have no idea how badly I wanted to knock Georgia down a peg. That's true. Like. Like they didn't. Here's the thing: is that they play Georgia football, which is they're gonna line up, simple scheme, and they're gonna make you beat yourselves. Which I mean, we eventually kind of did. We just we sputtered out at the end. Mm-hmm. We made Bryce have Bryce had to try to do too much. You know, our wide receiver one and wide receiver two were out. And I'm not making an excuse. I'm more blame Bill O'Brien than anything because there is absolutely no reason for him to try to put the game in the hands of true freshman wide receivers that have drop issues. Instead of our sixth-year senior running back who's having an amazing game, not, I mean, when you it was first and goal at the three at one point, true, and we passed it three straight times. To be fair, Brian Robinson Jr. For what it's worth, I think he's a great running back. I really do. But he had twenty-two carries for only sixty-eight yards, um, average of just three point one yards a carry. He muscled those yards. He had to muscle. He earned all of those he yards, did. and he was working really hard. He had hard. a deceivingly just, great game. I, I I would agree, but it's just I I. Part of me does agree, like, yeah, Bama probably should have ran the ball more because that's, that's, you know, part of their identity at this point. But on the other token, it's like, I mean, Zamir White on Georgia was doing, he was having a much easier job um, at picking up those yards than, than Brian Robinson was. <clears throat> um, and, I mean, that's there, there are so many dimensions to cover from this game. I just wanted to talk at a very high level here, first and foremost. Um, I, I, I hate to say this to an extent, but it's true. I was dead wrong about this game. Heading into it, my my prediction that Bama would roll over Georgia. I was very arrogant and cocky about them winning by you know fifty two to seventeen, and uh, I I gotta say hats off to Georgia, hats off to the Bulldogs, hats off to Stetson Bennett, Kirby Smart, and and the rest of their crew uh, for for shutting up people exactly like me who thought that they didn't stand a chance in hell. Um, I I think it, it it was that hate and that underdog mentality that kind of fueled Georgia, I think, throughout this season. Um, and, and even though I still make qualms here and there of, uh, of you know, the fan base, I guess you could say. They bark at children. They, they bark at children. I agree. Um, it's, it's, it is a feel-good story in, in, in a roundabout way. Somehow this team that was ranked number one for half the season was ultimately the underdog. Okay, found a can way. they please shut up about the curse now? Because I swear, okay, I, I know it, this message cannot come from me. But I always hated the whole, like, Georgia, we're cursed thing. Because, like, even if they lost this game, 
they still have more success than like 99% of college that football fan bases. And they want to, they want people to feel sorry for them for being cursed. And I'm like, I know I'm Bam, I'm a Bama fan coming from me. You know, it, it hits a little different when I'm the one to say it, but you all know it's true. I, I, actually, I thought about this, Randy. I thought about this last night and, and I agree. The people complaining about the Georgia sports curse of Atlanta always losing it, it. It is annoying. But the thing is now that they've won it and the Braves have won it, I think that they're, they are going to stop. Like, surely they're going to stop now. And it's kind of like a win-win. Like, they finally got their championships they wanted. And we get to stop hearing about them complaining about, you know, being suffered and, and, and all this stuff. Like, it's it can be beneficial for both parties, Randy. Like, that's I'm trying to look at this say, glass half full, you know. I will say, you know, if we're even, even looking ahead, I will be curious to see, you know, how does Georgia football kind of – how do they look next year? How does Kirby retool this team? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were such a super senior-laden team, very veteran. And, I mean, this was with Nick Saban's – so I think it was four years ago, 2018, that recruiting class was only ranked fifth in the country, his worst recruiting class at Bama. <laughs> and I know that's still a top-five class. It's pretty good. But when you're going against Georgia, who is equally as talented, you know – that top five class, this would be their senior year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of it's kind of unsurprising that this happened, but still disappointing. Um, I mean, I I, I get that. I, I'll be honest, I don't have like any numbers or, or I'm aware of like just how I guess senior Georgia is. Like, do you have any oh, idea they are how very many senior. like how many starters they'll be? They're going to be losing almost their entire team. Like, literally, almost their entire team is gone. Is next this year. like a 2013 Florida State scenario where like literally every player gets drafted? Yeah, like, pretty much. Okay, I can see that. And the thing with Bama is all of our players are probably going to get drafted too. It's just they're not draft eligible yet. So okay. <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be coming back strong next year. I, 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 have, I have a no lot doubt. of faith in the team. I, I have no doubt about that. And I think that's what I mean. I was talking about this earlier. I, I think because we know Bama will be, will be back. Like yes, as a Bama hater, like I'm poking fun of Bama like today, and I'll, I, I'm sure I will be the rest of this week. Um. We, we gloat and feel good about this because we know, you know, it, it's temporary. Like, this this feeling is only, it's it's very finite. Because we know Alabama will be back next year. Um, whether or not Bama wins the title, I mean, they'll be favorites, right? But, like, at the end of the day, Bama's still going to be, at, at worst, like an 11-1 team next year. Right? At worst, they're going to be top five ranked the entire season. You, I mean, we're going to be in the playoff. We're, I, I understand. We're going to be in the playoff talks at the very end. It's it's up to us to just execute. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will say, honestly, as Nick Saban gets older, he's 70 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, these these championship runs, they oh, they hit hey. a little different. Are you saying you, the you dynasty is near the end? What's going on, Randy? I mean, he's it's going to have to end one day, and he's getting old. I mean, it's just, it's just the fact that elite coaches, after they hit 70, tend to fall off. And I mean, I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. I understand he's got a well, well-built machine, well-oiled machine he has running where he's just mm-hmm. kind of a CEO role. Yeah. But it's just kind of, it's one of those things in the back of my head that, you know, Kirby is 45, Saban is 70. That is crazy. It is. It's also crazy is, and I hate to bring this stat up to, to, to bug you, this year we saw for the first time ever, not once but twice, Alabama lose to a former assistant. Um, with Jimbo yeah. Fisher at A&M and Kirby Smart at Georgia. And I know A&M had a pretty disappointing year, finishing 8-4. and four, But they just signed the number one recruiting class. And it, it almost feels like they're... Bama's still going to be the top dog, but there's this growing power around Bama near the top, with Georgia obviously winning it all this year. A&M, Jimbo's obviously building something extremely special there with signing the top class, finally getting over the Bama hump this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see in the SEC. I mean... 
I, I was just complaining a week ago about how the SEC is a one-man show, and kind of, but, like, it, it it feels like maybe other teams are finally starting to just, like, this could give A&M the confidence they need, Georgia the confidence they need, LSU the confidence they need, right? All these other teams can now think, hey, LSU did it in 2019, Georgia just did it, why not us? Why, why can't Florida do it? Why can't Auburn do it, right? I mean, there's so much talent in the SEC right now that it's just, it's, it was just a matter of time before it happened. I think it took teams a while to just figure out how exactly to beat Alabama. I feel like too many teams were trying to copy the formula mm-hmm. rather than put their own twist on it. Well, let's, let's, talk, I mean, you just, yeah. let's talk about how Georgia did this. Because we were just talking, you, you mentioned before, like they'd lined up and played Georgia football. Um, I'm just looking at the stat line here, dude. Like it, it is kind that's of what's frustrating. weird, you know? <laughs> that's what's so frustrating is because we outgained them. We had more first downs. We had a higher time of possession. It's just... And we even bottled up Zamir White and their other running back. We bottled them up for the first three quarters of the game. Yeah. If you just looked at the first three quarters, you would think, oh, it's fourth quarter. It's Alabama football. That's winning time. I mean, it really did come down to the fact that we have inexperienced players, true freshmen being thrust into these situations, and they made mistakes. And, I mean, look, that's fine. It's not an excuse. It's just simply when you have a young team, they can lose the games. My, my takeaway from the game was uh, that Georgia won the game really – in the first half, and, and hear me out, okay? I know they were down six to nine, um, nice in the first <laughs> half, right? But the thing is, Georgia, give them credit, man. Like they stopped Bama three times in the red zone and forced them to make uh, field goals, right? Against most teams, I mean, that'd be that'd be an easy Bama touchdown. Bama would be up twenty-one to six at half, and that's that's an entirely different ball game. And so, even though Georgia was trailing, I, I think being in such a close game, such a back and forth type of affair. Heading into halftime, I think it gave them the confidence, like that they really truly believed, and it, it was around that point that I actually kind of started to believe, which was weird, right? Because I was just I went into this game with these all these expectations that it was going to be a blowout, and suddenly Georgia's really limiting Bama and making them really work for every single first down. Was not expecting that, and yeah, by the second half, I mean Georgia just. They had bigger plays. I think it kind of came down to that. They had that huge run play for what, like sixty-seven yards. It was the longest run play against Bama this entire season. Um, obviously, that huge touchdown from Stetson Bennett um, to take the lead late in the fourth quarter. Whereas with Bama, for whatever reason, like I, I expected them to make those huge plays, but they just didn't come, which which was weird. Like I, I expected a massive run from Brian Robinson at one point. I expected, you know, Bryce Young to just chuck it deep and, and at some point hit like a sixty-yard dime, right? But it just felt like that play never came for whatever reason. Well, the, I can tell you the exact reason. It's because our wide receiver, we had a play like that, but we had, he sacrificed his ACL he for did. the play, for the one play in the first quarter. I mean, this was very frustrating for that reason, too. I just, it's just part of, it's, it's part of football. Injuries are part of football. It's one of those things. And honestly, I put a lot of blame on our offensive coordinator. I don't put the blame on the players for not executing. Bill I put O'Brien. the blame again on Bill O'Brien. He just, he needs to go to the Jaguars already and just leave so we can have somebody else. Seriously. <laughs> he's, he's not very good. We'll he couldn't it. do anything with the Texans when he had Deshaun Watson. Anyway, that that's, you know, I digress. I mean, but I, like yeah. I said, first and goal at the three, and we pass it three straight times. He had awful vanilla, very vanilla play calling. Yeah, like like we didn't have all this time to prepare. Like that's what that's that's so what's so frustrating about him. He lost us the A and M game too. At the end of the day, it's on him to not put our true freshmen in these positions where they have to make these plays mm-hmm. over our actual sixth year senior star running back. 
Yeah. Or at least put it in Bryce's hands. Give him like a rollout play where maybe he can run downfield. I don't even think – I don't remember seeing a single Bryce scramble the entire game. That is true. I mean, he threw the ball 57 times. He threw it. Yeah, he threw over double the – he had over double the passing attempts. It's like Drew Brees levels of throwing the ball. Like that – I don't know. He kind of had to at some points, but I mean – no, I get it. I get it. And I will say with, with Georgia, I mean, that first half, it felt like they couldn't get anything going on offense, particularly with Stetson Bennett. Um, obviously, neither team scored a touchdown in that first half. Um, I, I think the difference was where, where Georgia kind of had that edge was, for whatever reason, they, they started calling these plays where they were going to just, just take on Bama cornerbacks uh, one-on-one with their best receivers. Like, they realized they couldn't, you know, beat Bama by just throwing it down the middle, going for, like, 10, 15 yards. They had to take those risks, and that's what we saw in that free play from the uh, offsides of Bama that led to, like, that 40, 50-yard touchdown. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. I think, like, it's – it, football's a weird sport, you know? If that – if in an alternate timeline, <laughs> that pick six didn't happen, it was just an incomplete pass, and the next play, you know, Bama got a touchdown and tied it up. It's just. It's, I mean, you can weird, yeah, you know? can easily look at just two, two or three, even maybe one play in the entire game that yeah. can, that really would have changed the entire outcome. I yeah. mean, and also you have to understand this was a perfect storm that came together for Georgia to do this. Hmm. With us being as young as we are, with them being as veteran as they are, with with them playing a style of football that's essentially try to just keep the game in control and let the other team beat themselves. Yeah, they let us beat ourselves, and that's I mean that's what it boils down to. It's kind of fun to they watch. They let a young, inexperienced yeah. team beat themselves. Yeah, I, I like Georgia's play style because it is somewhat similar to Wisconsin's in terms of, you know, tough defense, focus on a run game, you know, trying to be mistake-free. Um, the, the one mistake that stood in my mind from Georgia was that fumble near the end of the game from Stetson Bennett. Um, that was – I'm going to be honest with the viewers because I, I, I alluded to this, but I, I, I regret to say this, but – I stopped watching the game after that fumble. Yeah, no. I you should have kept watching I it. I literally, and, and here's why, and here's why, okay? I, and now I'm just going to be honest. During during last season's national title game, I think I turned it off around, like, the third quarter. I just, I didn't, I, it wasn't good for, at some point it wasn't good for my mental health to see, you know, this. As, as a Bama hater and a critic of Saban, um, it, it's just, at some point you're just torturing yourself, right? And I assumed that that was it, that that fumble was, this was Georgia's just Georgia moment, right? That they'd fumbled away their chance at a title, and Bama was going to score here, which they did, um, and put the game away. And I literally went to bed. Uh, we turned off the TV. My wife uh, took a shower. She takes showers at night. And I just laid in bed, like, just kind of falling asleep. And it was, it was oddly peaceful, um, like I, I wasn't even thinking about the game. Like, honestly, I wasn't thinking about the game. I was just like, I, I think I like turned on a YouTube video watching like, uh, like a video game speed run or something <laughs> just to like kind of doze off to. And it was like 1130 at night and my, my wife is, you know, heading into bed and she says, who won the game? And I said, I don't know. And we have a Google, um, uh, like at home or Google home and we're like, Hey Google, what's, what's the, what's the Bama score? And she says, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs have won 33 to 18 over the Crimson Tide. And I just like, there's this, there was this feeling in my stomach of Jesus Christ. I just probably missed one of the best games ever. Um, and I, I, I have to like live with this now. You know what I mean? Like I missed 
a huge game because I was scared of, of Alabama. Like that's that's the effect that <laughs> Alabama has on me mentally. Well, honestly, here, honestly, it's like people are gonna hate, but you need to appreciate greatness while it's here. Appreciate greatness while it's here. Even if I mean, Wisconsin wasn't playing in the game, it's not like you really have a stake in it. That's true. It's it's, it's a game. eventually eventually Saban's going to retire and order. I guess will be restored. Honestly, I just want him to see us through the um see us through the Wild West era until there's more NIL rules and more transfer portal rules. Mm-hmm. And which we're definitely probably going to have a big episode on that in the offseason. I do plan on doing that. Well, well, let's just real quick touch base on this here with NIL. Um, I mean, it. I alluded to this earlier with like Jimbo and, you know, obviously them getting the number one class and, and Georgia obviously having a lot of momentum right now. It feels like in a weird way, though, though Bama is just as powerful as ever. I, I, I think it's less that like, you know, Saban has lost it or, you know, the, the tide, they don't have that aura around them. They still have that. They're still the number one, you know, favorite heading into the next year as far as like way too early preseason predictions go. They're, they're the number one team, and I think they should be. I think the differences of this, like as we enter this new era, is that we might see additional teams join like this tier that Bama's been in for so long, if that makes any sense. Um, no, I get what you're saying because I mean we really have been in a class of our own. Like we've been we've been in what the last seven of eight mm-hmm. national championship games, seven of the last eight. So I kind of get it mm-hmm. that like we are just in a tier above simply because of how often we're there. Yeah, other teams will win it every every now and then, but not with nearly the same. They're not at this high level for the same sustained amount of time. Yeah. Um, we- I mean, I'll be interested to see how nil affects. This. I don't really think it's going to have that big of a difference as far as that goes. I mean, look. Granted, you can buy recruiting classes right now. Texas is paying $150,000 per each offensive lineman. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, I mean, I really – look, these players aren't that dumb. Like, mm-hmm. they're smart enough to get into college. They aren't going to be duped into screwing up their NFL chances to get paid to learn bad line technique at Texas, you know? I don't know, man. The I mean, difference between – they they're not that dumb. The difference between getting picked, like, 13 overall – and 15th overall is about $3 million in guaranteed contract money. Sure. So they're going to be – if you're a four-star, five-star recruit anyway, you should be looking at NFL opportunities and NFL development, mm-hmm. not quick NIL money. Would you say Saban's still like the king at that, like in terms of pumping out draft picks and getting – Oh, absolutely, know? absolutely. Um, we're going to have a ton of players. Probably not as many drafted this year. We're going to have a couple drafted this year, but we're really going to have a ton drafted – Next year, next sure. all season. Get it, young team and all. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. I I think the the fear for me is it it's just with with nil. There's just so many unknowns at the moment, and I I almost feel like for as crazy as we think things are now, with like oh my god, like Texas A and M. There's that rumor of them spending thirty million dollars on this year's draft class. Even if it's BS, we're gonna get to that point before too long, where teams are spending like literally thirty million dollars, fifty million dollars to sign the number one class. Um, they and, don't have the money to do that. You have to understand, even the highest grossing revenue athletic departments, you make like, what, $120 million? Mm-hmm. They can't spend almost half of that on a singular recruiting class. I'm wondering, like, the, the thing is, like, who's paying for this now then? Like, like rich donors, I assume. Like, like a billionaire donor. You need, like, a Phil Knight or, like, a Boone Pickens type of guy. Like, uh, you know. I think they see this. Uh, I think... I think the NIL money, like the straight up ways he used to pay players, is going to kind of come down. I think right now these super rich dudes 
they see it as a way to quickly buy success sure. and they're going to strike while they can. Like a gold rush. And they know it's not going to be some, yes, yeah, a gold rush. They know they can't, like, they're not going to probably be able to do this in five, 10 years. There's going to be some regulations put into place sure. and everything. Yeah. So they're saying, hey, while we can, this is our chance. I could see that. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's interesting regardless. I mean, it, at the, you know, it is a new era. Um, with Bama, though, man, I mean, what can you say? It's, it's, it's still Bama. I know this loss hurts Randy, but you're still Bama. Like it's it's always going to be. We're still that Bama. I get that. There, I get that. Know? We're going to be good for a long time to come. Yeah. Um. I just like I said, the one thing that really gets me is I wanted the three feet, <laughs> and I want. And I I know Saban's getting older. It's just the oh, truth. Man. Saban's getting older, and this isn't going to. This level of success isn't going to last forever. It's fair. No, the three feet. I know. I was. I. <laughs> before the game, I sent you like a. Th- Literally a forty-minute rant, uh, driving. Right I'm in my not car. listening to that now. I'm not. I didn't listen to it yet, and well, I am not listening. to We that might now. release it as like a special bonus episode, like a special bonus Jim Podcast uh, later on. But I basically talk about the three peat um, in the rant, and I, you know, I, I, have said for years now, like before I even met you, I, I've always thought that like Nick Saban's kind of ultimate goal uh, with Bama, more than anything, was a three peat. Because, like, that's kind of this, like, holy grail. Like, no one's done a three-peat, right? Like, there have been dynasties here and there. Like, they've, they've risen and fallen over the years. No one's done a three-peat since Minnesota in, what, the 1930s, right? For, effectively never in modern history, right? And so, I, I think for him, you know, it, it was this white whale. Or it still is. Like, I, he's still going for it. But, yeah, like, w- w- with this loss, I mean, the clock restarts. That's three more years at least, right? I mean, that's that's... It's weird. I mean, three years will go by fast, I think but for he's Saban, old, you know? I think for Saban, it's more of him wanting to find a way to to teach players certain lessons without them having to lose to do it. Mm-hmm. And for him, three-peating would be a way to show himself that he's learned how to do that. Okay. Speaking of Saban... Like, I don't think he really thinks about three-peat that, that type of way. He's kind of... He's, he's, yeah. he's way more compartmentalized than with that. With the process, I guess. Yeah, it's very it's very in the moment, you know, his, his philosophy. Also, I just hope you all realize that you all... You need to be careful what you wish for because <laughs> however Georgia fans respond to this and gloat about oh, this yeah. and however they talk about this, you wish this on yourself. Wow. We were the good guys in this match. Oh, I just want man. You all to, I hope you all understand that. Little old Bama dude. I don't know, Little man. Alabama. I don't know. I, 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 I comp- you know, again, I've spent the entire season crap talking Georgia fans. I think this is going to change them. Okay, I'll say that. Like being, uh, I was a salty Bucks fan until we won one. Okay, that that changed me. I think I think actually winning <laughs> changes changed you. you. I, I'm serious. I think it does. Well, here's the thing. They always it bothered. I'm still always going to be bothered about how they still like talked about as if they were champions before they actually won the I game. Mean, that's that's fair. And that's always going to bother me. And I have like this new like level of like hatred for them. <laughs> they didn't hate him before enough. Just because of the whole situation. That's why I really wanted to knock them down a peg because like don't talk as if you're champions before you actually do it. I and mean, that's a good life lesson in general, I, I would say for sure. But on the other on the same token, I need to learn that lesson because I was gloating about Bama being champions and I was gonna I was gonna laugh at I, the the right so. I told you how I told you how confident I tried to be very cautious about it. I said yeah. I feel cautiously optimistic, yep. I'm confident in the team. I'm anxious about the moment, but I'm confident in the team. Yep. And that was 100% me eating the rat poison. <laughs> See, it's always rat poison, dude. Always comes back to that. Fun fact. I also saw this stat. Uh, fun fact. Clemson is now tied with having the longest win streak in the country at six. Who are they tied with? 
I don't know who they're tied with, but That's I just I saw the stat. That is a fun fact. Yeah, Clemson, Clemson's weird, dude, because, like, they might be back in the playoffs next year. <laughs> it feels like everyone's forgotten about them, including myself. I feel like their dynasty's over, but they're still super talented, and they play in the ACC, so it should be a pretty easy victory if they can get their act together at quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a fun year, Randy. I'll say that. I, one other thing I wanted to talk about in this episode, in addition to obviously reviewing the, the game that happened last night, was just kind of looking back on the season at a very high level, just sharing some of my favorite thoughts on it, favorite games, favorite moments, and so on and so forth. Um, and just, just to kind of intro that, I just wanted to say, I, I'm for as weird as the world is right now with Omicron and kind of how uncertain things are yet again with COVID as we enter you know 2022, I, I, I'm so thankful that we were able to have, for the most part, like a full college football season that, that didn't really feel like it was compromised because of the pandemic. Would you say that's fair? No, I completely, I, I think that's completely fair. This season felt very normal. I mean, for most of us, most of us are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, so we can just kind of live our life for the most part. Yeah. Um, I felt like things were pretty, we had some scares in bowl season. We were scared that this game was even going to get that's to be true. played. That's true. That was a little scary. But, like, for at the start of the season, like, I mean, I, I went to every home game this year uh, for Wisconsin games, and it was, you know, full attendance. Virtually no one was wearing masks. I was, but it's just because I'm, like... To be fair, crazy. to be fair, that was before Omicron was a thing. Yeah, like, it COVID's was. actually it scarier was. now than it, it was is. when football Yeah, I probably wouldn't started. do it now, to be honest, but... But, no, yeah, it was just... It, it was just nice, man. Like, it was just great for just, like, it, you know... A return to normalcy. A return to normalcy, and it's, it's important, to keep, I think, to keep that in mind, that we just saw... A, a national championship game with like what 60,000 people in attendance and it, it just went off without a hitch, you know, like it's important to keep this in, in mind, like from a high level, just that, you know, we're making it our way through this thing together and, uh, you know, day by day, win by win, you just got to take it. That all said, that all established. Um, one thing we wanted to talk about was just kind of like looking back at some of the the moments and highlights of, of this past season, this wild season here, this chaotic season, if you will. And for inspiration, I was looking back at old um, old gym podcasts, actually, that we recorded, looking at the titles and descriptions and, and finding nuggets of, of things that I kind of had forgotten and maybe narratives that were being pushed at a certain point in time that people have since moved past. <laughs> um and right out of the gate, we opened the season up, if you recall, Randy. UCLA. Um, we, we predicted uh, Chip Kelly was going to make it to the college football playoffs and win the championship. Um, well, sad- I, didn't say, I didn't go that far with it, but well, we, it did I didn't look, think he was really good. The title of the episode was Chip to the, the championship. I, I guess maybe we could have implied the I didn't say well. he would win it, though. Okay. I don't think he would win it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, of course, opening up the season, you know, they, they beat number 16 LSU. In hindsight, LSU, not that good. <laughs> I mean, they finished 6-7 and seven this year. Definitely a down year for them. But, uh, I mean, UCLA did finish 8-4. and four. It's pretty good. Good for Chip. Good for Chip Kelly. I think they're still, you know, they're, they're laying a good foundation there uh, over, over in L.A. Um, beyond that, moving on, I mean, we had the first guest ever on, on, on the Jim Podcast. Maladroy joined us in week two. We talked about stats. Um, because that's what Maladroit does, talking about stats. Um, and it was around this point in the year that things started to get pretty chaotic. If you recall, Randy, we had a lot of upsets to start the year. Um, my favorite being Jacksonville State defeating Florida State. Um, but that, 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 there were, there were I remember we gave them, we yeah. kept trying to give Florida State the, we promised they're not as bad as they look award, <laughs> and, and then they pulled that. 
Yeah, they ended up what? Didn't they finish like five and seven this year? They actually, yeah, they finished five and seven. Which, hey, all things considered, with an FCS loss, I That's mean, it's true. They rallied worse. back. But I think they're headed in the right direction. I hope so for their sake. I, I think they're a likable program. It's just, it is funny though. It is funny to see them. It is funny. You know, it's, it's comedic. Um, but I mean, in general, we had a lot of we had a lot of chaos to start the year. If you recall, the Pac-12 struggled mightily um, against a lot of G5 opponents. We saw Oregon almost lose to Fresno State. If you recall, um, it didn't like Arizona lose to every G5 team they played. They faced. They did. And they stuff did. like that. Um, and we, we, I remember a narrative we were talked about at the start of the season was this whole idea of like the gap between G5 and P5 kind of blurring, if you recall. Oh yeah, and that I mean I think that showed itself to be true with how Cincinnati performed in their uh, in their playoff game. I mean, the, I mean the lines are going to continue to blur. We'll see how NIL and this new era affects things. But I mean, we we talked about this extensively in one of our episodes when we talked about high school recruiting and how all of these camps, all this development that happens, all the film watching that happens mm-hmm. means that players when they get into college now they're pretty much ready to go they're ready to play yeah and that the difference in star rankings now is mostly about like measurables not how actually prepared they are that pretty much everybody's going to come into college at about the same level of preparedness when it comes to beating a football player yeah for sure and um i mean obviously still like like i said they're like alabama's in this year their own georgia might be just behind them i it was cool seeing cincy this year you know be the first team to make the playoffs obviously you know, they didn't really keep it too close against Bama, but I, I think they had a decent enough showing um, that, you know, I, I think they may have paved the way for, you know, future G5 teams to, to go out and try to make the playoffs and seriously compete for titles, whether or not it's actually in, in vain, who can say, but um, it was cool to see. And, you know, again, all these wins for FCS schools as well, defeating, um, you know, P5 teams like Florida State. It's it's good for the sport in a weird way. I think it's good in, in that it, it adds legitimacy to these matchups that you otherwise would generally just like shrug off as being a blowout. Like you wouldn't really watch it or you wouldn't care about it. Like this this makes players I think respect every opponent a little bit more. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah, it does. Uh, moving on later on in the year, I mean we had NSB join us. We talked about Maryland obviously because he is a turtle. Um, I was at this point of the season that Wisconsin was like one and three, and we had just they we were just, imploding. We, we just got destroyed by Michigan, and the Michigan fans were had some choice words at Camp Randall uh, for us. Um, I, I went on my historic rant against their fan base. Um, I do wonder how Michigan fans are feeling right now. Obviously, they had you know a, a very good season, um, beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, making the playoffs. Though Jim Harbaugh is going to the Dolphins. Jim Harbaugh is going to the Dolphins, and they did just get destroyed by Georgia in the playoffs. So it's kind of a, a mixed bag, when you say at this point. Yeah, I mean they have. Yeah, I guess they have to be happy for the season. But I, I think for most teams, like just making the playoffs isn't some like massive achievement. <laughs> They can't, they're not going to put, put They're not going to hang on the banners. Hang a banner that says "We made the playoffs this one time." I mean, that is true. They will hang a big it's championship gonna, banner, though. I think yeah. making the championship game is definitely something to be proud of. But I think it's more they're going to see it the exact same way they would see like a typical Orange Bowl loss or whatever. Yeah, time will tell. I think I think really the biggest narrative out of Michigan and really the Big Ten this season is what is the future of Jim Harbaugh? You know, uh, because he he is. He's up there with Saban, at least in terms of, like, the types of coaches that the media will not shut up about. Like, he's always in the headlines for, for, for good or bad, right? He's just always being talked about. It'll be interesting to see if he stays or not. 
Um, beyond that, I mean, we had probably the biggest upset of the season in my book. We, we had the Texas A&M Aggies taking down Alabama at home in, I'm sorry, Randy, but it was one of the most exciting games of the year. Um, I, okay, here's my view on the game. I will say from a completely neutral perspective, as neutral as I can be, it was an exciting game to watch. It was a good, enjoyable game of football to watch for a neutral fan. I mean, it was a comeback, then another comeback, and then a triple comeback, and then fourth quarter antics, a last-second field goal that looks like it was about to go out. Yeah, it's, it's like curved back in somehow. Um, yeah, it's, so No, I get that. I get that. It was probably the best game of the year, to be honest. And not only that, I think it, it was really uh, – it was like halfway through the season that this happened, or maybe you're like the – first half it was it was like the first half it was it was a turning point though because this is where the narrative really shifted from like oh alabama's number one they're gonna win again they're gonna you know easily make the natty again this year to suddenly oh alabama's overrated georgia's number one like that that was the game that changed everyone's minds overnight and made georgia fans uh insufferable (laughs) i i think at least um to, to, to me at least that was like the turning point of the year um, yeah, that was about the turning point of the year for that, for sure. Because I, I feel like everybody – that was when I went on a rant about how everybody so badly overreacted to that single game about how bad we were. We lost <laughs> unranked Texas A&M. Unranked. And as it turns out, Texas A&M was a pretty okay team. I mean, they went 8-4. and four. Yeah. That's it, pretty it, average for them. It could but, be you worse. Know. It could be worse. They certainly have a lot of talent. And again, they – it, they got Jimbo. Like they're 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 a good team at the end of the day. Like they're they're. Well, a that's the thing. You know, here's the thing with talented teams. Even if they're having a bad year, they can still be dangerous on any given Saturday. That's why we almost lost to LSU, despite yeah. them being six and six. That's yeah. why we almost lost to Florida, despite yeah. them being six and six. It's just bound to happen. And everyone everyone's going to give Alabama their best effort. You know, like Texas and here's A&M, the thing. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I want. I'm glad you brought it up because I remember last year going into this off season. Everybody circled Bama. Mm-hmm. Everybody has like a Bama week during the offseason where we're right. the team everybody prepares the most for. Yeah. People weren't doing that for Georgia last year. If you remember, last offseason, Georgia was not getting a ton of respect because they had not the best year. I think they went nine and two. Yeah. And they almost lost they almost lost to Cincinnati in their uh in their New York six game. Yeah. And so I will be interested to see how how it's gonna how it's gonna happen, how their yeah. year's gonna go. They're gonna have and a target on all their this back. talent. Yeah. And they have a target on their back. Everybody I mean, obviously, people are still going to prepare for Bama because we're Bama. Mm-hmm. That's never going to change. But now people are going to have Georgia week in their offseason. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it. I think – I don't think Georgia's really going to slow down as far as, like, be being good. at the, kind of the same level. They're going to be they're going to be in the same levels like your Ohio States, yeah. your Clemsons. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I, I just thought I'd, you know, point out the game to me – if I, if I had to make like a top five list of games of the year, that'd probably be number one. Um, the following week, if you recall, was the fiasco um, with Ole Miss, Tennessee, where we had Mustard Gate. Oh, the Mustard Gate. That was probably one of my favorite games, one if one not my funniest. favorite game. I gained a lot of respect <laughs> for Lane Kiffin that night. I think, I mean, I liked Lane heading into that game. He's one of my favorite coaches just as a neutral fan, right? But the way he handled that kind of environment with like both class and humor at the same time, uh, was really a sight to behold. Well, you have to remember that Tennessee fans also just hate Lane Kiffin in general because <laughs> that's of how true. he left them. That's true. Left them in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. but uh, And it was around this point of the year, too, that there was a lot of Ole Miss hype, if you recall. Ole Miss was kind of seen as like a dark, ho- dark horse uh, SEC West contender, looking like they may make the playoffs. Didn't I mean, they went 10-2. 
they, they certainly had a good season, though. They have a lot to be proud of. Um, I'll be interested to see if Lane stays, Lane Kiffin stays this year. And it's interesting you say that, because I was just about to say, the following week we had all the drama regarding James Franklin. If you recall, he couldn't remember who he was playing. I think he was like talking about like how we he's thought he play. and that's when we that's when we guaranteed that he was going to be gone. Yeah. Next yeah. thing you know, he signs an extension. It makes no sense. And it was around this point too that kind of like all hell broke loose. It felt with uh, with like coaching drama and rumors flying about. Um, by this point, um, USC had fired um, Clay Helton, um, and it was just assumed that you know Franklin would take that job. But then when Franklin wasn't going to take that job. Suddenly, it was like, all right, who's going to leave their school for the USC? Because USC was seen as this like premier program. Turned out it was, but we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The following week was maybe um, maybe the the funniest moment of the entire season, surpassing Mustergate easily in my book. We are of course talking about the one and only pole assassin. Um, <laughs> it it actually happened. That is that is my favorite. I feel like so much crazy, so many crazy things have happened this year that we've completely forgotten about things like polo sets happening. This was in November. Like it feels like a <laughs> lifetime ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just the jokes write themselves, folks. I'm never gonna let Texas live this down. I think it's just it needs to stick with them as a program. Um, and speaking of Texas, I mean, a couple of weeks later, they lost in probably one of the funniest games of the year to Kansas. Again, uh, to me, that was the upset of the year. Um, that and, game was just hilarious to watch, and it was actually an entertaining game from start to finish. It was. I'd probably put it like top ten in terms of just like fun games to like look back on one day. Um, it 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 was I, the jokes read themselves at this point. It's Kansas, Texas. You know the drill. Um, beyond that, we 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 finished off the regular season with rivalry week, which I, I obviously had a very poor rivalry week experience. Though Oof. I will say. That was probably my favorite episode I think we ever recorded because we had like like thirteen submissions from from different uh, Jimbotopia users, which that was that probably a was blast. my favorite episode too. Just a blast. We had we had a great time going through those. I I still will like sometimes go back and listen to like like DK's rant. I think it's hilarious. DK, we miss you, bud. Hope you come back someday. Um, but rivalry week though, I mean that was a pretty that was a pretty big exciting week in general. We saw Alabama have quite the scare against Auburn, but find a way to survive. You know. <laughs> That was that was a game to be sure. It's it's yeah, yeah. We saw um, Oklahoma go down against Oklahoma State in Bedlam. That was pretty shocking. Um, we're not going to talk about Wisconsin, but uh, it was it was a fun way to conclude the regular season and and kind of lead us on into Championship Week. Which I mean, Championship Week, dude. Um, oh, real quick, Michigan. By the way, Michigan beat Ohio State. Like, what the heck? That happened this year. Oh, that, that's how yes, crazy this year that. is. That's because a footnote. <laughs> that was a crazy game too. Well, it wasn't really that crazy of a game, but it was crazy that yeah, sure. it it happened the way it happened. Yeah, this yeah. season has been weird because I feel like in the past decade, decade and a half, we've really seen where skill position players are always going to beat out a tough team. You're going to be able to scheme around that. Mm-hmm. But this year was kind of the opposite, where it was the tough teams that kind of won out. You're right. Yeah, Michigan won from like a they they beat Ohio State playing a very physical run you know run game. Likewise, in the championship, I mean, Georgia really had a very physical, like, offensive line, very, very, very consistent pummeling of the ball down the middle. That's a good point. Yeah, because I think we're just, like, we're just, like, used to, like, a, a guy like Joe Burrow coming along and just dropping, you know, 60 touchdowns in a season pretty effortlessly. I mean, at the end of the day. I think it's a result. <laughs> I really do think it's a result. Defenses are finally starting to adjust. I think so? 
think so? Yeah, I think they're starting to adjust to a lot of these schemes. They're learning how to play defense in the modern era with modern rules. Hmm. So, I mean, it's becoming more possible to actually play physical football and win that way. That gives me hope as a Wisconsin fan because we don't have a passing game. Um, (laughs) But that led us on, like I was saying, into championship week, which, I mean, the, the main narrative of that was, in my mind, Alabama versus Georgia round one. Um, we we were correct. In fact, this is probably the most correct we've been the entire season, in my mind, in predicting Alabama blowing out Georgia. And, I did not predict that. Well, I, I did. <laughs> gosh dang it. And it, it had to have felt good at the time, right? Yeah, at the end of the day, you're still SEC champions. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, when you directly lose to the team that you just beat for it, I mean, it's... it's eh. I, I get it. I guess. I no really other upsets, though, that happened um, that week. We had the fake slide from uh from Pitt. Um that was pretty cool. The fake slide then got banned like 2 days later. <laughs> so it was it was a, a one and done highlight I guess, but a, a piece of cultural history nonetheless. Um and and finally that that led us on into bowl season, which is what we've been in for the last, you know, 3 or 4 weeks and I got to say it's been it's been a pretty fun pretty fun bowl season year. I think there were a lot of good games. Obviously some games got canceled, but overall Randy wouldn't you say this is a pretty decent one? I will say this has been one of my favorite ball seasons, even despite the cancellations. Just seeing, I feel like we had the goofiest sponsors, and they like <laughs> really played up the antics. Get seeing what's his name, South Carolina's head coach, yeah, uh, Shane Beamer, and get the mayo bath, yeah, with the very viscous tub of mayonnaise was was great. It, it was probably it's, the it's, highlight of all season. It's kind of a rat. Like I, I get it. We live in this like corporate hellscape, and everything's got to be sponsored. But at least they're having fun with it and are kind of self aware. At least right now, it's still fun. It might not be like five years from now, but right now it's fun. And so I'm just going to enjoy it while while I can, basically. I think the future of bowl season is very much up in the air. I mean, we'll probably so. cover that on an episode later. It's going to be one of our mini topics. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, one final thing, as far as narratives in the season that I wanted to touch base on was, uh, throughout the whole season, kind of, this has been happening, but really in the last couple of weeks especially, the, the whole coaching fiasco. All this drama regarding coaching positions, we, we saw we saw probably more more craziness in the coaching carousel than like any other year that I can think of, at least. Obviously, Lincoln Riley going out to, to, to USC, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to, to go to LSU, all the rumors floating about with James Franklin. To me, this was the craziest year like I've ever seen with coaching. Is this the craziest for you as well, Randy? It definitely is the craziest year, and I think it's directly due to NIL and the transfer portal and being in this Wild West era of football. I feel like a lot of coaches are trying to put themselves in the best position to succeed in this era, mm-hmm. and it's going to require them making some kind of move, some kind of change. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, I get that it does tie with NIL and Portal, and there's, there's a lot of factors at play. And maybe one factor that doesn't get discussed enough is the fact that we kind of, in a weird way, maybe got two years worth of coaching carousel hires in one, in the sense that there wasn't a lot of movement last year with the pandemic going on in its, in its prime. I think that's a good point, um, for sure. And I mean, the pandemic in general, how it's impacted, you know, sports more than anything, I think this year, it just, it, it resulted in a lot more, you know, fifth and in some cases, sixth year seniors to be on teams. I think that's a large reason why, like Cincinnati made the playoffs. It's just, they, they had so much experience. I don't mean that as a knock. I think it's cool, but it's the kind of thing that I, I wonder if we're going to be able to keep up, you know, moving forward as, as less and this less is, players, Okay. Okay. You know? I have an idea. This is a little shower thought. I've always thought about that. If we really want to increase parity in college football, one thing that would really help I think it's just get rid of red shirts, get completely get rid of red shirts, Whoa. and give every player six years of eligibility and Don't just assume general. it's for undergrad plus grad school. 
Interesting. If you give every player, the ones that are going to go to the top schools, they're going to leave after three years regardless. But mm-hmm. this allows you teams to have super seniors and they can actually win with more developed players. And I feel like that'll give them more of a fighting chance. I could see while, that. While the, while the younger players that are more likely to leave early because they're high, highly rated recruits are going to be playing against more developed, better players. Right, right. No, and it's going to develop them better too. I could see that. Do you think? Um, do you think the NFL's like? So the NFL has a rule where you need to be three years removed from high school. Uh, just like hypothetically, if that rule didn't exist, and you could like you could, I don't. Th- I'm not saying literally any high school player would go straight to the NFL. Do you think it's there's an even possibility that we would see players leave after two years if like the rules changed? Oh yeah, for sure. I think we would see it after two years. Even, I think even if, one year. <laughs> I don't feel- even know. I don't know about one year. I don't People think were talking about idea. Trevor Lawrence leaving, like he could go to the NFL after his first year at Clemson, which I don't know if I believe, but I, I don't I, know. Here's the thing is it's not even just development. It's also like they're 18, 19 years old. You still do a lot of physical growing from like your, That's from about 18, 19 to your mid twenties, mid to early twenties. You yeah. still have growing to do and developing to do just like actually physically. I mean, the NBA, you know I mean? Like you, they still need to pack on muscle and get strong and everything. Cause they, they, they are not ready to go against grown men. That's fair for for their own sake, probably with injuries and stuff. That's that's probably true, uh, but I, I like your theory, and that's something we can definitely discuss later on. But my only fear with that, I, I'll say right now, is with the with the transfer portal. <laughs> if you had that many players in the league at a given point in time, I feel like you would have to somehow expand like the rosters or or something, because you'd have way 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 more players just spending their entire careers on the bench. If everyone well, we, stayed six we years, were, we would definitely have. We'd probably have to expand the FBS for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bring in some more FCS school, dude. I mean, that'd be cool. North I mean, I'd be fine with that. North Dakota State, they could probably compete in the Big Ten right now, so I, I'd say bring them on board. <laughs> uh, they just won their, like, ninth championship in the last 11 years, I think, with, like, under three yep. different head coaches. Now, that's a dynasty, Randy. That's something to aspire to. Yeah, people try to compare North Dakota State and Alabama, but it's really not comparable at all. They've had a 5P and a 4P and a 3P all separate from each other within like the past decade and a half. And somehow two NFL quarterbacks along the way. Just kind of, I, I, I realize Carson Wentz kind of sucks. Trey Lance. Jordan, he, might, he might suck as well, but um, it's still impressive. The fact that they, got, the fact that they were first-round draft quarterbacks still. Yeah, yeah says a lot. Says a lot. Um, but I mean, that said, one, I guess to kind of tie this all up, we've been hinting at this obviously today and throughout the season here and there, kind of the, the, the off season, which we are sadly now in, and kind of the, the Jim Bodcast plans for this season. I think my goal, Randy, would be maybe to have, you know, like an episode maybe once a month or so. I don't think it has to be a, a, a schedule per se, but th- there are topics that we want to discuss, I think, at depth um, that, that, you know, the off season is perfect for. For example, the NIL, what's what's going on with that, right? Playoff expansion, that's an entire topic right there. The transfer portal. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that, that warrant, I think, in-depth conversation, but you know that, that conversation is probably best off when, frankly, there aren't games that should be discussed. <laughs> so No, I completely agree. There's a lot of topics, especially with how much things are changing. I, I kind of have like a mental list. I'm going to probably go in my Google Drive and create a little document of topics I want to talk about. And I also still have the guest list. Yes. And I know certain guests are more, they have more expertise on certain topics. Like For example, I know JMT, he's been wanting to come on since our first episode. We just unfortunately haven't been able to have him on due to like, we've tried. We've tried JMT if you're listening. It's just, we had scheduling conflicts. And that's the thing. With the off-season, there's less scheduling conflicts. Because we can just record these episodes on a random, 
you know, Saturday on a random day, whatever we can. Right, yeah, we, right. we don't have to go by the schedule of the games. Exactly. And I know, so like, for example, I know he likes to talk about conference realignment and all of that. So, like, I'm going to get him as a guest for that episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, if, if, if certainly, I mean, we'll, we'll, we're going to try to make this an open conversation with, with, our, with our fans if, you know, getting ideas and if anyone's interested in like a topic they're really passionate about or knowledgeable about, we would love to have you on board. We love having guests. Yeah, please I, do message us. Message us and yeah. we are definitely open to all ideas. I feel bad because we haven't had a guest on in a while. Last couple episodes, we've had like, I think one guest in the last uh, like three or four weeks. Um, but I think a guest is especially great in the context of these kinds of debates and these kinds of off-season talks. So... We're looking forward to that, absolutely. Um, but that all said, Randy, I mean, any closing thoughts on this season for, for both College Football and the Jim Podcast? I've really enjoyed the podcast. I've enjoyed – I'm glad everybody's liking it. I'm glad we have fans. You know, it wouldn't be what it is without you guys. That's true. It, it means a lot. I'm like – I'm getting like – I'm getting teary. I'm surprised. <laughs> I was I was surprised at how well received it was. To be honest, I remember when we did the first episode. Yeah. Like we were kind of nervous to post it, and then we posted it, and then like the first comments we were seeing were like, "Oh wow, this is actually pretty good." It means a lot. Yeah, and I, <laughs> it's been fun to like I, I, as the season has gone on, and we've done more and more of these. I mean, this is this is our 21st episode this year, Randy. Like. I, I feel like I we've really been developed, that many. Yeah, we've like developed a chemistry kind of and are, are kind of getting better at like going back and forth and kind of, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. But yeah, 21, like that's that's 21 weeks, dude. We're like, we've been doing this. That's just that's that's nuts to me. Um and yeah, if 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 somehow after all these all these weeks you're still here listening to the show and listening to us right now, um I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. This means the world to us. We we do this just for fun. We do it for free. We we do it because we're passionate about football and passionate about this community, and and passionate about just sharing our thoughts and ideas on the game that we love. And Randy, finally, I just wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you for everything. You've been an amazing co-host from start to finish. Thank you, Jimbo. You've been amazing too. But this isn't the finish. This this is not the end, folks. This is not the end. This is not the end. This is the beginning. This is actually kind That's of a, just a saving quote from the first championship. That's true. And I mean, the, the dynasty has just begun for the Jim Podcast. So uh, let that sink in, folks. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. One final time <laughs> for, for the regular season, at least. I'm your host, Jimbo. And roll time. Now, Randy on Wisconsin.